knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner. Like, He's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned, there's not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp and my co-host is Angela Whitehorn. And we're, um, I think this is the first time, Angela, I'm going to have the most episodes done ahead of time. So <laughs> we have been rocking and rolling recording <laughs> Theology Gals. If something big happens in the next few weeks, we will not be, you, you'll be all confused. <laughs> An asteroid could hit the Earth, and you guys will still get Theology Gals for at least the next month. Right. <laughs> so um, I am going away, although when this comes out, I will be away uh, for a few weeks with my husband and our motorhome. Our youngest son is coming for part of it, and I'm just very, very excited. Going to Glacier National Park in Canada, and, and definitely ready for vacation. I was going to so. ask you, what is the destination i know you're taking like a long route what is the destination you are most looking forward to oh i don't you know i'm not even sure i think maybe uh calgary Mm -hmm. because i've never been there my aunt and uncle live there and my cousin so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing them and just seeing calgary and then we're going to the mountains uh, to, to banff which is you know a couple hours from calgary and then we're actually staying I don't even know where it is. We're actually staying in a resort um, after that, which is a hot springs resort. So that's one place I'm kind of like, that's going to be nice. I'll be stowing away in your luggage going for that. That sounds (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) We have a little stowaway um, spot under the motorhome. So you well, just have to move the grill over a little bit. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a little less glamorous than what I had in mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, when my when my kids were young, we used to tent camp. And then there came a point where my husband and I said, we're too old for this. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I do love, I, you know, one thing that's really nice is when you go on vacation, I know some people love eating out all the time and stuff, but I get tired of it. Like, I just don't want to eat at a restaurant again or a fast food place or whatever. So it's nice. We have our whole kitchen there. Mm. We can cook what we want. And, uh, you know, we have a, a grill. So we like to maybe grill a little bit more and stuff. But it's it's one of my favorite ways to travel. Mm. So. So much fun. So we're going to be hitting a subject. It's kind of hitting a few topics, and this is going to be more of an overview. And these are topics that people 
will often ask, can you talk about legalism? Can you talk about antinomianism? Can you talk about Christian liberty? And so we thought it would be helpful to just kind of do an overview. I think some of our overview episodes, especially because I think some people are newer to some of these topics. I've even had somebody asked me recently, what exactly is legalism? Like, I hear that, but what exactly is it? And I think sometimes I even see people misuse some of these words Mm. or maybe redefine them or, you know, things like that. So I think it's helpful to really understand what, what each of them are. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of links that I'm going to recommend. And I'll talk about them as we go along that just some people that have talked about it far better and in more detail. And so um, I'm going to highly recommend going. Sometimes I think I've realized that depending on what app people use to listen to the podcast, they might not get the links. Mm. And so just as a reminder to everybody, if you go to theologygals.com, go to this episode, you're going to be able to find all the links there. Right. I'd say some of those older episodes about um, the law are extremely helpful on this topic. Um, uh, antinomianism and legalism. Have we said yet? That's what we're talking about today. Antinomianism and legalism. Yeah. What what are they? And, you know, how do we see them crop up in our world as Christians? So, you know, I guess we want to start just by talking about the third use of the law. And, um, you know, what is the third use? Well, first of all, we do have three uses of the law. So, Let's talk about what all three of them are. The first use, it's a mirror. It shows us our sin. Um, sometimes you'll hear, uh, hear it said it drives us to Christ. Um, the second use is the civil use. It restrains evil. It helps us keep order in society. So, you know, if you think about how um, most laws uh, in different countries, you know, as Christians, we can easily see a connection to laws in society and God's law. They, they are usually reflective. You know, it's against the law to murder, probably in most places. Um, and we can see a connection to God's law there. And then the third use of the law is as a guide for uh, the believer. It's, it's to show us how to live life. Um, and that third use of the law is what we're going to be talking about today, and how it relates to antinomianism and legalism. And as Angela said, if you go back to our episode on the law, we talk about those in more in more detail. And I always recommend read through the Heidelberg Catechism because mm. the Heidelberg Catechism is split up into guilt, grace, and gratitude. And that third use really is that gratitude. And Heidelberg question two What do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort? First, how great my sins and misery are. Second, how I am delivered from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to be thankful to God for such deliverance. And so really, we actually see how the law is useful just in thinking about each of those things. Mm. Because it's because of the law that I see how great my sins and misery are. And and how I am delivered from all my sins and misery, and how I'm to be thankful to God for such deliverance. And, you know, um, we also talked about some of this on our Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude episode. I think uh, that would be a great one to go listen to. I was just thinking, I recall us talking about how Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, the order that the Heidelberg Catechism is set up in, that third section about gratitude is teaching us about the third use of the law, how we live in gratitude to the Lord for what he's done for us. And, 
if we want to see what pleases the Lord in terms of my attitude and my actions, we can look to his law for that. We can love his law and see, um, you know, he hasn't left us in the dark. He's told us what pleases him. So that's the third use of the law right there. And we live that way out of gratitude for him and what he's done for us. And we're going to talk about what it me- what it is to deny that third use. Um, it always puzzles me uh, that anyone would deny it because I think, why, you know, look at what the Lord has done for us. Would you not want to <laughs> obey mm-hmm. him? And, um, but I wanted to talk first about legalism because legalism also has to do with the law. I found this quote from R.C. Sproul that I absolutely love. And he said, legalism... He said, basically, legalism involves abstracting the law of God from its original context. And that's a great description. For, so what does that mean, to abstract it from its original context? Ooh, you know, I, it makes me sort of think of biblicism. It makes me think a little bit of moralism, of, of taking a section of scripture that seems like it's... Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to use an absurd example. You know, Judas hung himself. And then, you know, flip through the Bible, find another page, and, oh, here's another verse. Go and do likewise. Well, you know, <laughs> it's ripping straight out of the context of what is this about? What does it mean? Um, who was the original hearer? Who was this written to? What type of literature is this? And then just pulling it out and saying, this is what I need to do. This is personally to me. This is how I need to take action. Uh, that's not necessarily always the case. Um, in fact, very often it's probably not the case. And one thing you'll see, um, I'm going to link some articles, and legalism can be talked about in different ways. But a couple of, I think, the primary ways you're going to hear about it is either adding our works to our justification. People will talk about in terms of that, or even nomism. And I've got some, R. Scott Clark did a great series on nomism and antinomianism that I'm going to link in the episode notes. And I just listened to it again recently. Mm. Listen to that because it's really, really good. But um, the other thing is making new laws. So you'll see things like, you know, a woman must wear a skirt and she's in sin if she doesn't. Mm. Mm. Well, that's adding a new law to what scripture says. Absolutely. Um, You know, the Christian life is not really meant to be about do's and don'ts. Um, that, that's really more in the realm of something called pietism, where the, the Christian life and what it means is just about don't do this and do do this. Um, but really, the Christian life is about focusing on Christ and looking to Christ um, for what he has done. And we never really grow beyond our need for that we need to continue to look to christ rest in christ focus on what he has done and we do things and we abstain from things out of gratitude for him not by adding to the law or by taking the gospel and adding law to it or by simply taking the law and saying it's the gospel that's not what the Christian life is about. And this is why the gospel is so important. Um, even what I read from Heidelberg Catechism too, it's because of Christ and what he has done for us that motivates us to obedience. And so as we say on this podcast all the time is we need to be reminded of the gospel constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had read this quote from, from um, 
Sinclair Ferguson, that legalism is embedded in the heart of man almost from the very day of his creation. I think it's our default setting to be legalistic Mm. and works focused Mm. and not because of our focus on the gospel. Right. Because before we come to Christ, um, we we do think I can do it myself. Uh, You know, maybe we are not aware yet of the fact that a holy God has a standard that I've fallen short of. But, um, you know, sometimes we hear the gospel and um, we don't come to Christ right away. Uh, in that stretch of time, we know we've offended God and I'm still trying to do it myself. And oh, by the way, even after putting my faith and trust in Christ, I still struggle with wanting to be the one doing it, with wanting to be the one earning (laughs) God's favor, maintaining his favor. And that's where the active obedience of Christ comes in. That, you know, once once I have justification through faith alone, um, it's not as though, hey, thanks, Jesus, for doing that. I'll take it from here. Nope. Um, From that day forward, my righteousness is in him. My righteousness was earned by him. um, And I... I'm still not trying to earn God's favor because at that point I have it because Christ earned it for me. Yeah, I think it's associated with a heresy, the belief that, you know, now the, the slate is wiped clean mm. and it's up to me from now on. Oh. You know, I think that was uh, something we were getting away from with the Protestant Reformation. Ah, yes. I think that entails at least a little bit of semi-Pelagianism there, the idea right. that I'm going to do it. Um and that I'm capable of doing it, you know? So legalism is is just grabbing a hold of God's law and that is explicitly listed in the Bible and then kind of making it complicit in helping me try to maintain my ability uh, to obey, to earn God's favor. I just look at God's law and go, these are the things I'm going to do, and I earn God's favor. And we just know that we cannot do that. Right. I Galatians 2, 6, the whole book of Galatians is a great reminder, but says a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And I, that is something that we need to be reminded of constantly, is that it's not because of what I do. And nomism, which really ties right into the one of the types of legalism we were talking about, the doctrine that, this is uh, from R. Scott Clark, the doctrine that in order to be saved, we must obey law as the ground or instrument of our justification or salvation. And you know mm. we talk a lot on here about distinguishing between justification and sanctification. Justification and sanctification are two distinct things, and the failure to recognize that can really cause a lot of problems. Mm, amen. Um, it's It can be very confusing. You know, e- even though justification and sanctification are both works that God is doing for us, to us, on behalf of us, um, yeah, it's very important to keep those distinct because sanctification is where we see the growth, um, and it is not the ground of our justification. Our justification is... Um, forensic. It happens at a point in time. It's complete then. It's final then. We're not waiting for an eventual finalization of it. It's final right away. Um, You know, I I think we briefly mentioned, but I want to talk for a second about another way of of looking at legalism is adding our own rules to God's law. Um, You know, we've, we've got God's law that's explicitly stated in the scripture, but then, you know, A certain type of legalism says, 
I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to um, extrapolate from what I'm seeing here and add a few things like women cannot wear pants um, or it's wrong for any believer to drink alcohol. Well, you will not find verses that explicitly say these things. Um, and so adding those to God's law and making these a requirement, um, that would be legalism, especially if you're leveraging it on others. It is certainly within um, Christian liberty to have our own convictions and to do things out of our own conviction or to abstain from things out of our own conviction. But then to levy those rules on other believers and say, you are in sin if you are not conforming to my understanding, that is approaching legalism in some cases very clearly is legalism. Yeah, you know, an example of that, um, you know, right now uh, there, there are Christians that will say, homeschooling is the only option, mm, for instance, mm. okay? And homeschooling may be very wise for you, depending on your situation, but you also might be in a church that has a a great church school, mm. or maybe you have other options for education. So you're not going to find a verse that says homeschooling is the only way. And so sometimes we, when we don't have an explicit command, um, that's where wisdom really, really comes in. Mm. That's right. Um, (laughs) You know, and part of why it's so easy to fall into this when we don't have explicit commands, you know, we are, I do think that we are, um, believers are genuinely, because we do have gratitude, you know, sanctification is from the Lord. It's not something that I have to pull myself up by the bootstraps to make it happen. God is doing that to me. Um, And so I am going to obey um, and desire to obey out of gratitude. So Where I'm going with that is, you know, a lot of times when we make these decisions, like I'm going to homeschool or um, I'm going to uh, put a lot of energy into, as a woman, dressing feminine and being modest, any of those things are fine. And a lot of times our heart is that I want to please the Lord. Um, But because it's almost the natural default of us to be legalistic, it is very, very easy to fall into wanting to press that on others or just simply to fall into um, trying to go back to earning my salvation by doing these good things. You know, I'd like to talk real quick about some of the misunderstandings of of legalism because the word is thrown around a lot. Mm. If you go through social media, that's legalistic. And I think people may have some misunderstandings about it. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is is there are actually people who think that the third use of the law is legalistic, which is ridiculous, and it's a tiny group of people. But mm. it's really important that we understand that encouraging godliness, according to the using God's word as our standard for godliness, that is not legalism. Exactly. Um, you know, we've got in Hebrews 10, um, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Um, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, you know, sometimes we will be in conversations and, and um, we are encouraging one another and stirring one another up towards love and good deeds and um if it hits someone the wrong way maybe uh you'll see that oh this is legalistic um come out and you'll see that accusation that's legalism 
you know, encouraging another believer in the Lord, encouraging another believer to do what's right when, especially when what is right is very clear, that's not legalism. In fact, we've got clear commands um, in the Word of God telling us that that's part of our job as brothers and sisters in Christ is to stir one another up to towards love and good deeds and and um, loving God's law and obeying His law is part of that. And that's actually something we try to do on this podcast mm-hmm. is, that, is that, that very verse. And then I've run into this too. There are people who deny progressive sanctification. Mm. Um, we know that Westminster Catechism talks about how sanctification is a work of God's free grace. And in that work, the fruit of that is dying um, to s- more and more to sin and living more and more to righteousness. And so the Lord is at work in us. And sometimes people think that there's this weird thing where they think if you believe in progressive sanctification, then you're somehow denying justification by faith alone. And Mm. really, if you correctly understand and know how to adequately distinguish between justification and sanctification, um, it's very clear that justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. And like Angela said, that's a one-time thing. You know, it's you're not going to lose your justification. But sanctification um, is the Lord's work in us that we, that which results in obedience. Yeah, I, I have um, been in a couple of conversations, actually fairly recently, um, online with with folks who sort of denied the third use of the law and denied progressive sanctification. And, um, I, you know, I don't know these people personally in real life. I would, you know, judging by their interactions on the Internet, I actually I do think that these folks are solid believers in the Lord and probably have a life that shows that they do love the law. But there's a misunderstanding there that affirming that the law is good and shows us how we ought to live and shows us what is pleasing to God, and therefore we are enabled to obey out of gratitude. Um, Sometimes people just um, misunderstand that and think that it is putting the law back on us as a burden to earn our salvation. And just like you said, Colleen, that is where separating justification and sanctification Um, We don't ever want to separate them to where they are divorced from one another, but we do make the distinction. They are two different um, items, and that's very helpful um, because sanctification is when that third use of the law comes in, Um, and it's not legalism to believe in progressive sanctification. We do believe those whom he has justified, he sanctifies. I wonder if sometimes it's what we've talked about on this podcast before and an overcorrection. Mm. So if somebody came from a legalistic background, um, they get nervous um, in talks about obedience. Yeah, I do see that sometimes. And, you know, one of the things I'll say about that is um, that it's okay to be patient with our brothers and sisters who have been through um, difficult times in a in a very, very harsh legalistic background. Um, but I think we can also, you know, gently speak the truth in love and, and say, you know, it's okay to love the, the law of God. 
Um, not only is it okay, it's something that we will naturally do. We ought to expect to see that happening in the life of a believer. Um, but, you know, then sometimes it gets down to the nitty gritty on individual um, items. And this is where we can um, extend grace and patience to one another in in growth and give people some time to heal. But yes, I do think that that sort of background um, lends itself to a uh, uh, a little bit of rejection of of God's law is good for a time, which can sort of lead to antinomianism. Another thing that I've seen, um, and one of the conversations that I was involved with, um, was actually some Lutheran friends, and um, they actually b- their conviction was that there is no third use of the law. And so I'll say I know that we have um, some Lutheran listeners, and I know um, Colleen has family that's Lutheran, and um, we know that um, historically the Lutherans have confessed um, three uses of the law. It's in the Book of Concord. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So it's a difficult, intriguing position to take that – to deny the third use of the law and yet at the same time be Lutheran or Reformed because it's in our confessions. It's in the Lutheran confessions. It's in the Reformed confessions. Yeah. So. so we're going to talk about antinomianism now. And I remember the first time I heard that word was when I was reading Christ the Lord, the Reformation and Lordship Salvation. And we talked about this on our recent episode on Lordship Salvation because the Zane Hodges position Mm. really thought you could continue to live in sin and have no changed life. And that really is a form of antinomianism. So antinomianism means against the law. And there is a little history on antinomianism. So um, I'm going to read this again from R. Scott Clark just because he's written about it. In the 1520s, Already, there were those who who concluded that if we are saved, meaning justified, sanctified, glorified, by grace alone, sola gratia, through faith alone, sola fide, and the Reformation rightly rejected Rome's confusion of law and gospel, then we do better not to talk about the moral law at all. And so there, that's actually an example of overcorrection right there. Luther reacted strongly against this view. Indeed, he coined the term antinomian in his critique. So you had people coming out of the Catholic Church where works were necessary for um, their justification, essentially. Mm. And so that that's an example right there. They got a little nervous when you started talking about obedience. <laughs> but Luther actually has some strong writings against the antinomians. So um, antinomian means, you know, against the law. And it's often seen as a denial of the third use. But I think there's, there's one verse that pretty much sums up the error of this, and that's Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? And some versions say may abound. And Paul says, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Mm. Amen. You know, I think um, one of the things that's interesting here is that sometimes um, when when we are out really strongly talking about a law gospel distinction and really strongly um, looking at statements of law when people say, you know, the, uh, the gospel is that I need to love God and love others. And, you know, we'll come out and say, no, that's law. That's a summary of the law. That is not the gospel. And then, you know, sometimes the conversation from there will go to, well, 
I am supposed to love God and love my neighbor. Okay, yes, but that doesn't make it the gospel. I think sometimes when we um, insist on a proper law gospel distinction, sometimes people hear us as saying, throw the law away completely. Don't even look at that. It's not important. And so I want to make the, the distinction here that insisting on a proper law gospel distinction is not antinomian. Insisting that works of the law are not the gospel is not antinomian. It is simply taking the two words of scripture and putting in their putting them in their proper categories. The gospel promises, the law condemns. And um and that's talking about first use of the law right there. The law condemns. Um and then there's those other two uses that we already talked about. Um but the gospel is never going to be the law. The law is never going to be the gospel. We need both things. So to say that the law is not the gospel is not antinomian. It's not the same thing as saying we don't need it at all. Um, We do need it. It drives us to Christ. And then once we are in him, it shows us how to live. Right. And, and, you know, like for us specifically, we talk very often about law gospel distinctions, but we also talk about the third use of the law. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you look at some of the episodes that we've done um, you know, specifically, I even think recently, you know, I really, it was, it was very beneficial to me personally when we did the 10 commandments episode, just reading through the, the implications of each of the commandments from the Westminster larger catechism, you know, all of the, all of it that it means. And part of me said, wow, I've fallen short yeah. <laughs> so much worse than I ever thought. And, but that, that drove me to Christ and then, but it also said to me, this is how I ought to seek to live. Absolutely. I, I think of thing topics like, um, modesty. Um, we talked a lot about, um, things that would fall under the law in our episode on faith in the internet, how to interact with brothers and sisters in Christ on the internet and be kind and be fruitful and winsome, um, and so anytime we're thinking about, you know, how do I live? And then I go to the scripture for instruction on how to live. And I'm looking for those imperatives. That is looking to God's law. And that is loving God's law. And we are able to do that out of gratitude because of what he has already done for us. And when we think about God's grace towards us, and when we understand how horrible our sin is before a holy God. I want to obey because of Mm. what the Lord has done for me. I want to love his law and obey his law. And I mean, I have years ago, I did run into somebody and it was like probably the only time. Well, there's been a couple times, I guess, since online, but I ran into somebody who told me about a sin. They were committing very, very much a very, obvious sin nobody would even question whether this thing was a sin and they said but christ died for that too Mm. that's antinomianism right there Mm. yes i'm going to continue in it because christ died for it (laughs) you know Mm. that is the wrong attitude tell me what you think about this colleen do true believers in christ Mm. sometimes fall into stretches like that oh i think true believers in christ can fall into legalism or antinomianism Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we're struggling with a sin in our own mind, 
when we're justifying it, part of that process may be, well, at least I know the Lord's paid for this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and for me, uh, the background that I grew up in and, and the, my past in different kinds of churches, um, I have fallen more often into more legalism probably than antinomianism. And so it's very, very easy to um, think of God's law as a list of do's and don'ts. And if I can put enough checks next to enough boxes, then, hey, I'm doing great. Look at me. And now I can move on to looking at everybody else. Oh, you're not doing as great. And that's legalism. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the overcorrection that we've talked about, because I think if you were to talk to people who maybe struggle with one or the other, they maybe came out of the opposing view Mm, mm -hmm. and they're trying to get away from that. Um, But one thing that I do find encouraging, even if I struggle with that, is knowing that the Lord is sanctifying me. Amen. I wanted to talk a little bit about Christian liberty because I do think that it falls into this conversation a little bit. And we're not going to talk in great detail about it. I want to highly recommend, and I'll link it in the episode notes, the Reformed Pilgrims. It's a newer podcast. And we're actually going to be having one of the hosts of that podcast on our show uh, coming up in the next month or so. And they did an excellent episode on Christian liberty. Mm. But I'd I do want to talk um, just a little bit about it. Westminster Confession actually has a whole section that really talks about this, um, of Christian liberty and liberty of conscience. Um, And you hear people talk about conscience a lot, too. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole entire thing. I will link it in the episode notes, but I'll just read a short section. The liberty which Christ has purchased for believers under the gospel consists in their freedom from the guilt of sin, the condemning wrath of God, the curse of the moral law, and in their being delivered from this present evil world, bondage to Satan and dominion of sin, from the evil of afflictions, the sting of death, the victory of grave, and everlasting damnation. Anyways, it goes... It goes on from there, but it also talks about it talks about Christian liberty in the way that you guys probably think uh, about it. Um, it's, it's actually quite long because it's a whole entire entire section. But when we think of Christian liberty, be, there there's kind of a, a couple different things now. Now, because Christ has come, because we've talked before that our the third use of the law is in regards to the moral law. We no longer are bound to the civil and ceremonial laws. And so that, you know, now I have the liberty to eat pork, for instance. Mm. That would be one example. But there are other things, too. So let's say you have a new baby. You actually have some liberty on whether you're going to demand feed or schedule feed. There's no verse that says, you know, you must schedule feed or you must demand feed. So there's a lot of different things that fall under Christian liberty. And in, if you want to see kind of an example of it playing out, Romans 14, mm-hmm. when there's people eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols. And so it's actually lawful for them to eat that meat. But then there are people who are still uncomfortable with it. So it is liberty whether to eat that meat or not eat that meat. Right. So, you know, Romans 14 is a great passage um, talking about Christian liberty. Um, also, 1 Corinthians 8 um, tells us about 
taking care with our Christian liberty, um, taking care that we do not offend or cause another brother to stumble. And it's also talking about um, meat sacrificed to idols, the same thing that is discussed in Romans um, chapter 14. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 wraps up by saying, Through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. So, you know, because you know, this is okay, it's fine, I can do this, I can drink alcohol. Someone who is weak and doesn't understand yet or has has a difficulty in overindulgence um, may be uh, hurt by your overuse of your liberty. And this verse is reminding us, this is a brother of yours that Christ died for. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. So um, what's wonderful about this passage is that it is reminding us that yes, we have liberty in Christ in many, many things, but A great part of that liberty is that we also have the ability to abstain out of honoring um, a brother or sister in Christ who may be weaker on that item. You know, one of the things that I think of there is um, about our modesty episode and, you know, um, certain things that we may choose to wear or not wear as women. um, There may be something uh, that is technically fine um, and it's in my closet, but... um, Maybe I have heard from uh, a brother, uh, maybe a literal brother. You know, I have two brothers, and so um, I have a close relationship with my brothers. And perhaps there could come a time when one of them would say, oh, have you thought maybe you might want to rethink that outfit? It's, it's a little less modest. It's, it might be a stumbling block for somebody. I have the freedom, actually, to lay that down and say, hey, I don't have to wear this. I don't want to be a stumbling block to someone else. And so we did a whole episode on that. So um, I think that's a a good example. Just like the eating meat, just like alcohol, there's many things that we have freedom in Christ to do, um, but that we don't have to insist on our liberty um, when it is wounding the conscience of a brother or sister in the Lord. And you said something there that I think was really helpful, that somebody may still be growing. So I I know some people that are teetotalers, Mm. and we've had... Mm. So liberty does not mean you you have the liberty to be an antinomian, you know, <laughs> and disobey God's law. That's not what Christian liberty is. This is specifically, you know, the word of God is our guide for That's life right. and godliness. And so if scripture doesn't speak to it, you know, like the alcohol thing, scripture does say not to be drunk. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we know that that is a command, but there's actually, it actually points to drinking. And so, um, you have liberty to drink, but you don't, you don't have to drink. Um, Christian liberty doesn't mean I can go and get drunk now. Mm. Right. Exactly. You know, licentiousness just means lacking legal or moral restraint. 
Um, and so, you know, it's a pretty good uh, term to think about as it relates to God's law. Just because we have liberty doesn't mean that we have licentiousness um, available to us. So we don't have the right to lack any legal restraint. So we're still restrained by the law. We still have the law pointing us to how um, we should live. Beyond the legal um, regard, we also have the moral regard for God's law. Um, well, one one thing I I think of too, Angela, in regards to obedience to God's law, that third use of the law, is is both the loving God and the loving our neighbor. Mm. When I obey God's law, I am I am loving my neighbor by obeying His law. Mm, that's right. And you know, we think I think I think of that more in terms of obedience to the Bible being love for God. But when Scripture talks about maybe the fruits of the Spirit, um, when I demonstrate those, my neighbor benefits. This this really is, and and our love for neighbor is because of our love for God. So it, it can't be separated from that. So, well, I hope this was just a helpful overview of these things. I if you want to study any of the things that we've talked about, I've got several audios that are going to be in the episode notes and some reading material also, and I would definitely encourage checking those out. So um, if you want to support Theology Gals and the work we're doing uh, on our website, theologygals.com, you can support us monthly, you know, even with a few dollars a month, or you can give us a one-time gift through PayPal. And I realize we've actually grown a lot in the last few months, and some people might not realize we have Theology Gals merch. So if you want your Theology Gals t-shirt, which I will be wearing around on my camping trips, <laughs> I've got, you know, one in every color. And, uh, or if you want a tote bag, and I even have some, like, if you just had a baby girl, I even got some onesies there. Uh, and mugs too. So, well, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week.